know, things uh, rarely go as you plan. Uh, multiple things today are, are kind of in that uh, situation. We planned on being live and, and having a pet day, and uh, clearly uh, that was not going to happen. Will you join me uh, in Exodus chapter 32? I'm going to begin reading in the first verse. Hear now the word of the Lord. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and he said to him, Come, make gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them and formed it in a mold and cast an image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone, so that I may so that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord with his, his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hard, hot against your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, Is it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land I have promised. I will give you to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. Verse 14. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster he had planned to bring on the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Now, Almighty God, send forth your word among us, alive and active, the very same Jesus Christ, our Lord who by the power and inspiration of your Holy Spirit might take root in our hearts and make us new. Amen. So what are, what are we up to? How many, how many streamers do we have right now? 12? Well, welcome all 12 of you. I, I appreciate that. I, I know that I, as I do every time when I'm streaming, I, I make sure I have every device in my house uh, logged on so to boost up the numbers and make myself feel a little bit better. 
As I said a few minutes ago, it was supposed to be bring your pet to church Sunday. And I had all of these plans to talk about how much you all love your dogs and those unfortunate people who brought a cat, how much you cherish them. And then I was going to pivot immediately and start talking about the idolatry of pet ownership. We spend all of this money on dog food enough to, to feed all of the hungry in the world. We, we go to our animals as companions and build relationships with them. And those relationships should be reserved to brother emotional dependency. And then the rain came. And all week I watched the chances of rain coming. And I thought with every percentage point it went up, this is God telling me something. He, God doesn't want me to talk about the idolatry of, of pet ownership. So we're going to talk about the idolatry of golden calves. But let's back up a bit. Last week we were, we were in early Exodus, Exodus chapter 12, with the, the Passover, where the angel of the Lord brought to end the, the plagues of Egypt and brought the uh, children of Israel out. They, they leave Israel, they leave Egypt and they come to the Red Sea and there they're Moses, he takes his staff and, and he holds it over the sea and the seas part and the children of Israel walk across the, on dry ground. We've talked about this before, that this is the dominant image of who God is in the Old Testament. This is the main story revealing God's character. Even before creation for Israel, God was the one who delivered them from slavery. God is the one who brought them forth. Five times in this passage alone, uh, in Exodus 32, uh, it comes up and it's named, God is the one who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, the one who brought you up there. So here are the people, and they are making their way to Mount Sinai, and Moses goes up to the holy mountain and sits down and has a conversation with God, and he stays away. For 40 days, he is away. Now, now, in the Old Testament, in the Bible itself, 40 is both a, a specific and a figurative number. It's the number of, of purification. It gets repeated over and over again. For 40 days and 40 nights, it rained on Noah. For 40 years, the children of Israel will wander in the wilderness. For 40 days, Jesus spends alone being tempted by the devil. And so Moses is now gathered at the mountain of God and purifying himself, getting ready to meet with the Lord, getting ready to receive the law from on high, to get those stone tablets that have been written upon by the very finger of God. A few chapters before, 12 chapters before, in chapter 20, they had gotten the first draft of what was to come. Moses and Aaron and a few others had heard the voice of God, and he laid out to them the, the ten words, the ten commandments that would define who they are. And you'll remember those. They're not the most subtle of commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You can't kill. You can't steal. You can't have adultery. You can't covet. And then there was that second commandment. You shall have make no graven, no carved image of anything on earth above or below. It's almost as if God, all those chapters before, knew that we would have a problem with this. It's hard to follow things you can't see. That's why in leadership circles, they, they always talk about casting vision and, and having a story and having a vision for the people to follow. Because what people can't see, they can't do. We are visual creatures that follow after what we see. And here we have the Hebrew people following 
something that they were commanded not to do. They were not to make something visible. And it's hard for us, too. It's not really graven images anymore. And clearly it's not your pet idolatry. But we struggle with, with seeing things. How do you discern the will of God? How do you, do, do you figure out what God is up to? How do we follow after this God who we can't see? If you don't have that direct, that visual, that I can see it with my own two eyes, it's hard for us. And here they are, the children of Hebrew, the Hebrew children brought up out of the land of Egypt. And the very first chance they get, they start melting down all their son's earrings. Make a, a cap. They lost Moses, the one who brought them out, and they need something physical before them. Because it's just too hard to follow this God. This is a lesson that Israel needs to learn over and over again. In fact, many years from now, they're there in 1 Kings chapter 12, the, the rebellious leader Jeroboam, the, the leader and king of the northern tribes who splits the kingdom of Israel in two, he doesn't want his people to travel south. And so he makes two golden cats. And he puts one in Dan and one in Bethel so that people can worship in the north. Here in Exodus, it's, it's almost a, a little comical. It's at the very least absurd. You have this ludicrous story of these people who get messed up so fast. They had seen the plagues. They had seen the Nile turn to blood and the frogs and the darkness and the death of the firstborn. They had, they had seen the waters of the Red Sea part before them and walk upon it on dry ground. They had seen the pillar of, of cloud leading them by day and the pillar of fire leading by night. They, they had seen the cloud of God's glory, the Shekinah shining brightness of God's holiness descending upon the mountain. But here it is 40 days later. And they just have to have an idol. And then there's, there's God's ex extreme reaction to this. God who, who sees them down there and, and God who says, Moses, you best get out of my way because I'm going to go down there and bust them up. I stopped reading before Moses comes down because his reaction is, is really off the chart too. He, he breaks the tablets. He, he, there's, a, there's, a, there's a plague. The Levites kill their brothers. The earth swallows people. It's it's almost as if the story is told in, in a hyperbole. How fast things happen, the back and the forth. And there's this part of me that thinks that's almost the purpose. As if those people who, who wrote down this story wanted to teach future generations. They wanted to teach us a lesson. But I wonder if it's a lesson that we often miss. So growing up, I, I, like many of you probably, saw the, the children's storybook versions of this, this story. And, and you, you see the, the people gathered around the golden calf, and you start to think that Israel made an idol. They made a, a false god, a fertility god, strong like bull, and Baal, one of the, the Canaanite gods that would tempt them so much when they settle in the promised land, is often pictured as a bull. Uh, Apis, the, the, uh, an Egyptian god, was also pictured as a bull. These were fertility gods. They were, they were transactional deities. You would worship them and offer sacrifices, and then they would make it rain and give you children and make your life blessed. 
So we started to think that the, the children of Israel are slipping back into this base level worship. But over time, you, you start to realize that, that something more subtle is going on. This isn't just simple idolatry. The people aren't worshiping Baal yet. This is something different, and it's something far more dangerous. Where the people around the base of the mountain are worshiping a false image of the true God. Look at verse 4. Aaron took the gold from them, and he formed it into a mold, and he cast the image of a calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. This is the divine name. This is who God revealed God's self to be in front of Moses at the burning bush. This is the holy tetragrammaton, the five unpronounceable letters that is God's first name. And here are the people on the other side of the Red Sea, having been delivered by the Lord, by God, Adonai, and Yahweh. And they take that divine name and they put it to something else. I often think that idolatry is something so easy to recognize. I mean, it's, it's a golden calf, for goodness sakes. How daft do you people have to be? When actually it's a lot more complicated. They say that heresy is 80% true. It's, it's just marginally off. But God cares about those margins. The point here isn't that the people at the base of Mount Sinai had traded in the God who delivered them for Baal. They knew who had delivered them. They knew the holy name. They just get that last bit wrong. And here's the part that really should keep us up at night. It's not outright idolatry that gets us either. It's not those who are greedy and worship money. It's not those who are narcissistic and worship themselves. It's not those who worship power and control. What really is the danger for us is when we take those things that are not of God and we put the holy name of God on them. It seems that bad God talk is worse than no God talk. You know, a lot of times in, in Christian circles, we get up in arms about, about the people, the, the, the atheists and the uh, secularists, the enemies that we have. We get, we get defensive when they want to take prayer out of school or take the, in God, we trust off of money. And sometimes we get to thinking that any type of God talk is good. Just mentioning Jesus, just mentioning God is that's okay. And they're on the same side as us. But that's exactly what the Israelites are doing here. They are speaking about God in ways that are not God. Now, it would be really easy for me to, to stand before you today and say, if you got it and to challenge you and say, you guys have got a false image and I'm going to fix it for you. I'm going to show you the right ways. If you just follow my plans and buy my books and I will find you a way, you'll, everything will be okay. But that's not what Moses does. Moses does something a lot harder, a lot stranger, because Moses doesn't go down to the people at first. In fact, Moses doesn't even obey the command of God. Moses stops and, and reminds God of the promises that God had made. Moses stands in the gap between the Holy One and the broken people. 
And he says, God, you really don't want to do those awful things you said. And so they have an argument. Moses and his creator and his deliverer. And God says that, that Moses, if he would just let God go down and, and destroy the people, then Moses could make a nation. He would be the new father Abraham. But Moses rejects that. And so like an old married couple, they have an argument. Uh, Moses kind of says three things to God. He, he, number one, he reminds God that these people are God's. They're, they're your people, God. They're not mine. I mean, just wait till you hear what your children have done. Uh, number two, he says, what will the neighbors say, oh Lord, if you go down and wipe out the people? God, you don't want to be embarrassed upon in front of the Egyptians and the Canaanites. Number three, he reminds God of the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember what you said, O Lord. We, we all love it when our own words are thrown back to us. Moses says it's not what the people deserve. It's not that the people have, have deserved you. They have clearly broken the promises, even before the ink dried. The problem is that you are a faithful God, and you are faithful to the promises. And so even when we break them, God doesn't. Even when God really wants to break them. In many ways, this passage, is, this passage asks more questions than it answers. It gives us a, a very different image of the God that, that we often think about. It challenges a lot of what we traditionally see in God. God changes his mind. God listens to Moses. God, God argues back and forth. It calls into question what we think of with God's power and knowledge. But it shows us something else that's even more important. Because it shows us that above all else, our God is a relational God. We can often find ourselves not worshiping the living God, but worshiping something else. I can be distracted and lulled away by all the things that make me comfortable instead of the terrifying presence of the Holy One. But even there, even in those times when, when we've all missed the boat and, and chased after something else, there is grace, there is forgiveness, there is acceptance. God wants the same type of intimate relationship with you that God has with Moses. And sometimes those relationships can be fraught and, 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 and difficult. They can be argued over. But that's okay. Because what matters most is that the relationship is there. Today, God is calling out to all of us to leave behind those false notions, and gilded ideologies, and to embrace and be embraced by the terrifying, transforming love that won't let a broken promise stand in the way. Let us pray. And now, O oh God, as you call out to us today, may we hear, may we respond, may we find ourselves remade in a relationship with you. Amen.